Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. So I wanted to bring someone on the show who knows a lot about Web3 and crypto. Uh, we haven't had a conversation on that in a while, uh, but as regular listeners will know, uh, we go into fintech quite a lot uh, for two reasons. Uh, firstly, there's a lot of entrepreneurs in the region who are doing a lot of interesting things in fintech and raising a lot of money and hiring a lot of people. Uh, so it's a really thriving area and a real hot part of startups in the Middle East and North Africa. And the second reason is that it's super complicated and there's many different elements to fintech, be it payment gateways, be it platforms, be it uh, digital banks and crypto, obviously, as well. So this company are, uh, are overseeing that. They're partially a bank, partially uh, a, a, a wallet, and partially uh, a trading platform as well. So uh, do listen, uh, enjoy the conversation. The first part of it is a lot about what FinVault is and how Christian and his co-founder set it up. Uh, it goes into a lot of detail on that and, and on what space they're in. Uh, but at the end, we do go into a lot more detail on uh, Web3 and blockchain technology. And he's really an authoritative uh, commentator on that space. He really knows what he's talking about. So it is worth uh, listening to and enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week, we have a really exciting topic to explore with our guest, who is Christian Papathansio, the CTO of FinVault. So FinVault are a Web3 banking platform that gives individuals and businesses full control of their money and digital assets all in one secure vault. So Chris is the CTO. Uh, prior to FinVault, uh, Christian also held cybersecurity leadership roles with Kareem, now Uber Middle East, uh, a company called Dark Matter and City Global Markets. On the show today, we'll be discussing the story of FinVault, how the company came about and Web3 as well, how it will transform the banking system for individuals. Uh, and then something that was in the news recently, uh, the Al-Sheikh uh, stood partners with FinVault to buy Arabian Horses NFTs uh, and then the future plans as well for the company. Good morning, Christian. Good morning, Richard. Thank you for having me. Um, thanks a lot for joining. So yeah, you're in a very uh, buzzy space at the moment, your company. How did it all come about? Sure. Um, it started about uh, in 2019 when uh, I met my co-founder, uh, Punit Thacker, who uh, at the time was with a very large uh, payments company in, the, in, uh, in Bahrain called Paytabs. He was like the number two guy there. He was a COO. And uh, we immediately clicked, uh, decided that we would start something together. And, uh, and that, that thing that we wanted to start together was effectively kind of like a service to provide SMEs with uh, bank accounts. And over very lots of, uh, you know, like in, in the startup world, you, you, you tend to pivot quite, quite often. Uh, eventually, you, you hit the sweet spot. Uh, and, and that sweet spot for us was marrying uh, kind of like 
SME banking, uh, retail banking uh, with with the crypto world. And we're not we're by no means a bank, but what we are and and what we're building is effectively something that looks like your bank, feels like a bank, uh, but but leverages all the benefits of of a very emerging technology called Web three finance, and uh, allows people to manage their their crypto in kind of like um, an interface that looks very much like your bank. Now that's that's the, the best way I can explain it. Uh, we we like to call it the City Bank of DeFi, uh, and uh, and that's that's basically what we've built. Amazing. So there's a lot of terms there that we can go into and describe. Uh, but just kind of taking a step back on on two levels. Firstly, you know your experience and your partner's experience seems very good for this new world, right? There's cybersecurity there. There's payment gateways as well. Was it you know was it natural that you would do something in the fintech world, or, and had you always aspired to uh, create, start up your own business as well? Yeah, um, the the aspiration to start. Our own business, both myself and my co-founder, has always been there for a very long time. Um, we 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 were always entrepreneurs at heart, and I would say throughout our careers we were uh, intrapreneurs, that, that meaning that we we were innovating inside the companies that we were working for, uh, taking ownership and, and kind of building like little little autonomous little cool things inside. Uh, but the desire to start our own business was was always there, and. Um, when we we took the leap, uh, we we leveraged our combined experience. Uh, mine in the cybersecurity world. Um, I've been in cybersecurity for for about fifteen years now, working for very large um, financial services organizations in the UK, like Citibank and Royal Bank of Scotland, uh, and eventually in the UAE as well, which is what brought me to the UAE uh, to work in cybersecurity. Uh, initially for Dark Matter in, in Abu Dhabi, and then. Uh, and then uh, Kareem in, uh, in in Dubai as, as their head of cybersecurity. Um, and, and right now, um, fintechs uh, are kind of like these emerging players, but at the same time, they need to be held to the same uh, scrutiny and same regard and, and same barrier of entry as any other financial services institution, including the ones that are much more well capitalized and, and, and much more well uh, uh, and, and much, much larger. Um, and cybersecurity pays a very pivot, a pivotal role in, in, in all of that, right? So making sure that uh, people's money and people's finances cannot uh, be, be accessed by unauthorized third parties, uh, giving the, the regulators all the right, um, uh, all the right kind of uh, assurances that, that we do all the right things internally, we have the right processes, the right governance, the right controls, is fundamentally important to building a very long-term sustainable business in, in the in the fintech space. Absolutely. Uh, now, uh, my co-founder he had uh, his uh, he, he's been in payments uh, for 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 pretty much his whole career. He he started off uh, with uh, PayPal in in India. He was the employee number two in PayPal when PayPal uh, launched in India, and. Uh, he was part of uh, Checkout.com, the founding team of Checkout.com, which now has become a multi-billion-dollar you know, company. I think he 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 was working directly with the founders there, um, and eventually uh, 
life uh, brought him to to Bahrain, where he 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 met a, a gentleman called Abdul Aziz Al Jouf, who uh, founded uh, Paytabs, and uh, he joined Paytabs when it was uh, literally you know a few people in in, in an office, and then. Paytabs grew into into this huge, huge company that's processing billions of dollars a year, and um, and Punit played a, a, a substantial and fundamental role in that. Now he's got these incredible connections in the in the in the payments world. He he brings that that side of the equation that that I didn't have initially, uh, and and I have the the cybersecurity angle and the and the crypto angle because I've been in crypto for for pretty much its infancy when it, when it first started. So together, our, our joint experiences have kind of like been brought together, uh, and and that's what we're building. Amazing. So uh, definitely amazing pedigree there and backgrounds, and I can see how the different skill sets can come together. So. Talk me back. So, 2019. We're now in 2022. Uh, what is the company today? Uh, you know, is it consumer facing? Uh, and what have you built so far? And what uh, stage of the journey are you on? Sure. Um, so, so the, the 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 business hasn't officially launched, and we've taken um, kind of the the slow route um, to to build a lot of the. A lot of the Lego blocks that that would build a long-term sustainable business, and those Lego blocks start off with getting the right regulations in place, getting the right licenses, and we've invested very heavily in getting the right licenses to operate as a business, um, and that involves getting licenses, crypto exchange licenses in various jurisdictions in Europe, like Estonia, Lithuania, Poland. We have all of those, um, and also starting. A slightly separate business, which is more of a payments business. It's it's not it's not called FinVault. It's not FinVault, but it's a it's a payments business in its own right in in the UAE, um, which has uh, which will have it doesn't have yet. It will have uh, a money service business and the ability uh, money service business license and the ability to issue cards. So we've invested very heavily in in getting all of those licenses and building that foundation layer. And then on top of that, we've we, we've uh, we've now have a team of fifteen people spread across Nigeria, the UAE, and India. We we've identified that Nigeria has incredible tech talent. You know that really? it's it's not it's not somewhere that people would initially think about going. And I believe that's very fundamentally wrong. But it does give us the opportunity to to identify and hire some extremely high caliber extremely talented engineers and we've built uh, we've hired quite substantially in, in that country Amazing. Um, um, and uh, we're, we're 15 people spread across uh, these three countries HQ is in Dubai and um, and, and and we're building a product um, that that will initially be launching in Europe and in the uh, and in the UK and what it will allow people to do initially will be to uh, very easily uh, access the crypto world. Mm. Um, we will be issuing bank accounts for people individually. So you could uh, get your own crypto enabled bank account where as soon as you deposit funds into it, it will then um, allow you very easily to digitify those funds and, and convert them very easily into 
other cryptocurrencies that you may like to have, or you can keep them. Um, you can keep your funds in the account, just like any other normal bank account. So you have the full flexibility. You know, I keep my, uh, I could have, you know, my GBP, some Euro, and then side by side, I could also have my, my, my Bitcoin, my Ethereum, my this, my that, and you can swap between all of them. You can also pay your bills. You could, um, eventually buy flights and tickets and insurance and all of those things, but all under one roof. That's, that's kind of what we're building. We believe that's, that's very powerful. It, it's, it's kind of lacking. It's not, not there yet. There's a lot of places where, um, you know, there's lots of these training platforms that you can buy cryptocurrencies in and things like that, but they're so hard to use. We believe making it simple and very easy and putting it in a format that people uh, are used to, like like a digital banking interface, mm. uh, like a like a web banking, makes it so much easy to for people to access. Amazing. So part part um, modern finance bank, part uh, trading platform and part digital wallet crypto wallet would that be fair to say that's that's if you distill it down that's the that's that's fair to say and so talk to me because i think you mentioned something interesting that we often hear for startups is uh not just how difficult it is in to open bank accounts but financing smes things like that it's not just uh an emerging market challenge. It's a global challenge. It's very hard for businesses to operate financially at the beginning. Uh, and that was one of the things that you looked to solve at the start. What, what caused the pivot or why not pursue that? Or did, did, uh, the world sort of the crypto world naturally for you see like the, the way that this was going anyway? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're still looking to address that but we're looking to address it in, in a slightly different way. We're looking to address it by offering um, slightly different accounts that, 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 that operate on the blockchain. They're, they're crypto-enabled bank accounts. So they work like a normal bank account, but instead of you know, working on um, you know, the Swift rails or whatever it may be, they, they work on, on the blockchain rails. We're, we're still looking at that. It's still... Um, it is absolutely a pain point. Um, lots of businesses take months and, and, and sometimes years to open just, just simple bank accounts. That's a huge pain point, not only um, in, in this region, but also uh, internationally. Um, and and it's, it needs to be solved because ultimately it stifles innovation. It stifles, um, you know, uh, businesses kind of providing back by by hiring by um by by growing by exporting by importing these are all things that are bedrocks of, of an economy that that ultimately boil down to require a, a fully functioning bank account mm. uh, and ultimately nas- nations and, and economies suffer because this, this is not being well served um but even before we take it down to uh you know businesses wanting to open bank accounts there, there's there's a massive problem not only in this region but in 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 internationally where where low low paid workers are outside of the financial system they they, they suffer in, in in getting operational bank accounts for their own needs mm. 
And, and that that's an in, incredible problem because it, it, it stops, you know, like it, it, it prevents these individuals from, from a problem in, in, in this region and not only elsewhere is uh, providing uh, low cost workers with, with banking facilities. And, and this is a massive problem in this region, not, not only here, but elsewhere as well. Uh, effectively, by having a very high barrier of entry and not being able to bank these individuals, um, re- reduces kind of like their, their financial well-being. Um, and, and, and there's lots of benefits to, to, to banking blue-collar workers, uh, so on and so forth. And, and that's, that's right now um, a, a big problem that these people face. They're not able easily to remit money back home. They're not able to be banked. They're not able to get financing, so on and so forth. Uh, we that that's a massive opportunity we see, not only to 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 benefit from it financially, but but to 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 do good in society. You know, to, that, that's that's a very big thing that that we're big on. Is is actually you know how do we help people uh, increase their financial well being. Um, and that's something we, we, we want to look at as a, as a company. Interesting. So three years in or so, and obviously it would have been bootstrapped or founder led at the start, but did you raise funds? We see a lot of, uh, interest in the region on FinTech. It seems to be the hot topic for investors, um, in UAE, KSA and in Egypt over the last two or three years. Uh, was there interest of investors in FinVault and how did you approach that? There's been substantial interest from investors uh, in Finvolt, uh, and there continues to be substantial interest uh, in Finvolt um, because people realize that that we're, we're in for the long game and, and we're investing very heavily in, in licensing and all, all of these great things. We don't want to be a fly-by-night operation that, that raises lots of finance and then just disappears. Um, However, up until now, we've been self-funded. Uh, we've we've taken that approach. Um, we're we're really cautious about bringing the right investors on board. We we want the right partners, um, and and up until now, we we've have felt that um, you know taking the right investors uh, on board would be the best thing to do. Um, we haven't yet found those right partners. Uh, we are having some conversations uh, with, with various interested parties. At the same time, we also believe that we'll be able to build a very sustainable and profit profitable business very, very quickly as soon as we launch. And we might take the decision to not take outside money. You know, that, that might be a decision that we take because in the end of the day, if you start taking outside money, um, you end up diluting your, your interest in the company so we're, we're considering not taking outside money at present, uh, but we're still having some conversations. Okay, very good. And talk to me a little bit about the choice of launching in Europe. It seems uh, to me to be a more mature uh, territory or region in terms of digital banking, you know, in, in terms of how people have used digi- what were known as digital banks over the years. Is that one of the factors that you looked at um, you know, sometimes it's easier to enter a market that's a little bit more mature rather than something that's uh, really in its infancy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, these, you know, Europe and the UK have, have very well-defined parameters 
for entering these markets, uh, which I, I won't say make it easy, but at least you know where where, where you step, right? So you, you know it's a well-trodden path. You know that you know what you need to do in order to launch. And as an entrepreneur, that 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 gives you kind of some some good financial footing in order in order to to get there. Um, at the same time, you know our headquarters are in the UAE. They are in Dubai. Dubai has made some great uh, great progress in in um, in releasing its its very recent virtual assets regulation. Um, the Dubai World Trade Center that I believe that will provide a lot of um, uh, a lot of transparency and clarity to a lot of entrepreneurs such as us who 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 are already in the UAE. The UAE is already our home and has been for many years uh, and will provide a lot of financial clarity to us in order to, uh, not financial, sorry, uh, re like regulatory clarity uh, to us in order to, to, to also launch in this market. We're actively looking at it. We're, we're actually speaking with various regulators and, and uh, putting, uh, spending a lot of considerable effort in, in uh, exploring those venues as well in this market. Okay, amazing. So I guess where, where Web3, uh, you know, coincides with the intersection between Web3 and the financial world is obviously crypto. Uh, you know, start trying to understand for anyone the, the world of crypto uh, in terms of how to, what it means for them and how to get involved in it can be uh, quite challenging uh, because it's quite new and there's a lot to learn. Uh, but early pioneers in the space, such as yourself, uh, would have understood it earlier on. How how do you think? How have you understood? Uh, you know the intersection between Web three and and fintech uh, uh, personally, and then how have you brought that into FinVault as well? Yeah, sure. That's that's a great question. Um, so, it, so when when we tried or when I tried to use. Uh, like a web three platform there were we i actually counted it there were 13 steps involved between uh, going from my bank account or my credit card to actually being able to access this web three product that i wanted to use let's say it's a sushi swap uh, decks or whatever it may be um i had to you know get fund my crypto exchange account i had to buy uh, some sort of token um, I had to pay like 5% um, uh, commission on that, then commission on the token I bought, then I had to convert that token to the to the token that the DEX wanted to use by bridging it over. And then finally, many, many steps later, I could actually use this, this, this Web3 platform that I wanted to use. And overall, unless you're, you're somebody like me that's really, 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 really interested in, in doing this, it's... Too complicated, too hard, and and oftentimes too expensive as well. You lose, you we we measured it. It, it ends up costing you like ten to twelve percent, uh, going from start to finish uh, from your bank account all the way to a Web three protocol. And we felt that that's really not acceptable. We felt that it can be done much easier, can be done much swifter, much faster. Um, and there's a whole bunch of benefits in in this Web three world. Um, that that are not available in in traditional finance. Um, first of all, you know there 
Web3 finance is, is governed by code, meaning that, you know, there's no people there telling the code um, what, what it should or should not be doing. Um, and that's immensely powerful because um, it means that third part outside, outside uh, factors would never affect um, a Web3 financing platform. We're seeing different things all over the world where, you know, governments for various reasons are making various decisions on, 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 on various uh, uh, policies that, that end up affecting individuals. Uh, these, these types of policies would not be able to be applied in a Web3 world. Um, so it, it gives a certain element of autonomous and, and uh, uh, self-governance to, to, to money um, and, and financial protection as well. Um, you know, in, in a traditional banking system, uh, your, you know, you give a hundred dollars to a bank, um, effectively you become a creditor to the bank, even though that, that money belongs to you, you are at the point of deposit a creditor to the bank. Mm. That money technically is no longer yours. Um, in, in a web three world, um, you, you are still in full control of, of those assets. At any point in time, you control the the safety and security of those assets, mm. um, and they they at all times belong to you. That's that's immensely powerful. Interesting. Um, um, so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, please. That's yeah. Okay. So no. So that's very clear, and it's good to understand it in that sense uh, from a point of view of blockchain, and, and I guess the promise of of blockchain in that individuals would be more empowered with their assets but still it's still complicated right it's it's still sort of very early and it's still there's many things you know when we talk about wallets at the moment they sound like simple things that can store assets but how to use them is quite complicated so how do you go about uh simplifying the process you know is it are you relying on um, faster chains or are you relying on new innovations that that you think will be available to FinVault or are you developing your own tech as well and um, the developers that you're bringing on board are they specialized blockchain developers and how do you go about simplifying it yeah absolutely so the way the uh, we've realized that there is a lot of benefits in this web3 world um, but it's so incredibly complex to, 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 to use. Uh, what we've done instead is we, we've built a platform that kind of bridges the gap between this traditional and, and this Web3 world and makes it, we, we call it internally one-click DeFi. Um, what we mean by one-click DeFi is that you literally go from your bank account directly to whichever Web3 platform you want to use by the click of a button. Okay. And behind the scenes, how that works is there's lots of uh, smart contracts and lots of money movement that happens behind the scenes that you would have otherwise been doing manually yourself, but we've just automated all of it using smart contracts um, and, and, and various, you know, like APIs and money movement protocols. Uh, we have a very talented team of blockchain developers, um, both in Dubai and in Nigeria, and um, they've spent a lot of time kind of 
creating these automations that make it very easy um, from a UI UX perspective for somebody to go directly from kind of like a bank account to a Web3 protocol. Okay. And so Christian, can you just explain uh, DeFi, is it decentralized finance and what, how, what, does, what is that exactly? Yeah, sure. Um, so we have traditional finance, which is uh, depositing and lending in traditional uh, bank accounts. Um, decentralized uh, finance, you can think about it as being exactly the same. It still does all of those things that we're, we're used to you know, when interacting with our existing financial institutions. So you can receive money, you can send money, you can borrow money, you can lend money. But instead of instead of um, instead of like one specific financial institution doing this for you, um, that is that, you know, like in one country, um, in one jurisdiction, centralized. Um, governed by the laws of that country. Instead, um, these things are, are operated uh, on the internet and, and you could arguably say jurisdictionless. Um, they, they, they operate on the premises of programs and algorithms and code. Um, now, and because of this, um, because they operate on the premises of code and programs uh, and so on and so forth, um, they, 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 they operate by the rules of, of, of these algorithms. And what we say in the blockchain world is, is that code is law. Um, very much so right now, even, even um, the legal profession is actively exploring smart contracts as a, as a basis of encodifying uh, various legal constructs. Um, and because they, there's a lot of benefits to 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 to, to looking at um, effectively putting laws and regulations in smart contracts that cannot be modified, and a smart contract is 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 sounds like something that's complicated, but effectively what it is is um, if A, B, and C happens, then the outcome is D. You know. And and there's no person in the middle of that that can influence the 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 decision of 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 D. You know, there's no there's no gray area there. Yeah. Uh, so so by following the logic of of this smart contract, uh, the the outcome will always be D if A, B, and C happen. FinTech crypto world and particularly around competitors and you know wallets and apps and uh, companies that people might be familiar with. Um, you know, last year Coinbase listed publicly, and and they have a wallet. Um, uh, you, you mentioned your partner was in Bahrain. There's a company there called Rain, and there's a few others like that. Uh, how you know? Yes, they might be doing different things now, but what we've seen already with some of these trading platforms, they because they've listed and because they've raised a lot of money, and they might have their own coin. They seem to be able to move with the trends, such as. Uh, opening NFT uh, places to exchange uh, and different things like that. Um, how do you view that? Is that something that, you know, if you come up with something fresh and new, do you think that these almost incumbents would be able to do what you're doing as well? Or are you just pursuing your own path? Um, yeah, I mean, look, um, any technology can be replicated, right? That's, 
you could take you could take a Coinbase and copy it tomorrow. Um, but what makes Coinbase what Coinbase is 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 a is a function of the number of users that use Coinbase and the licenses that Coinbase has. And and very similarly, um, what what we have and what we've invested a tremendous amount of effort on is the licensing. Um, a lot of you know these investors we've spoken to. Uh, they're like, you know what, the technology can be built. That's not a problem, but we, we value a lot of the licenses that you have. Uh, that's, that's where a lot of the barriers of entry to, to doing something like this are. Not, it's not the technology. The technology takes a couple of smart guys in a room and, and, you know, and, and in sufficient time it can be built. Um, now, there is some secret sauce to the technology and, and we're, we're, not, you know, we're not giving that up, but of course... Uh, the smartest guys, smartest developers would, would be able to figure it out. Now, um, we we also believe that you know, we're we're on our own path. We're we're developing something that's special. Um, there's not many uh, organizations out there that are kind of making crypto and DeFi accessible. Even even the likes of Coinbase, you know, it, it is a crypto wallet. Uh, even you know these exchanges. Are very difficult to use. You, you need to be kind of like a trader in order to use it, and they don't appeal to the everyday person that wants to enter the crypto world. You know, it's too complicated for people to understand what bids and asks are, and what order books are, and markets and limit orders. Um, similarly, it's very complicated for for people to to understand what all of these various coins are, and and the benefits or pitfalls or whatever it may be of all of them. So we want to take away all of that guesswork. Uh, we want to make, take away all, a lot of those risks that are inherent in a lot of those decisions and make it very, very easy for people to, to enter, exit, and link their existing bank accounts to this platform. So in, the Europe, in Europe and UK, if you have, like, I don't know, like an HSBC account, you could link your HSBC account to FinVault. Mm. And then you click a button and you say, convert a hundred pounds to whatever cryptocurrency is and and that's done right so it's 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 as easy as that wow. you then next to your you, you can see your hsbc transactions on on one side and then next to it you could see your um your uh crypto transactions um and, and balances and so on and so forth and we believe that that's very powerful. In addition to that, uh, we're using what are called these DeFi lending protocols. And what they do is they're able to give you very high percentages of interest on your uh, stablecoin deposits, um, which, which traditional organizations, financial services organizations are not able to give because um, uh, currently, uh, deposits in, in Europe get, I don't know, 0.5% interest. Mm. Um, and if you hold euros, in, in some cases, it's negative interest that, you, that you're getting wow. as per the ECB. So we're able to use these DeFi protocols to give higher yields than, than are available in traditional banking. Um, so that's we believe that that's the, the, whole, the whole offering is quite compelling for, for people to use. Fascinating. It sounds like some of these things that, you know, traditional banks should start embracing. And 
uh, especially if they can, you know, as you said, you, you look and feel like a bank and offering interest like that and um, is a good place for people to hold their money as well. Um, other companies have tried bringing uh, traditional banks uh, and financial institutions onto the blockchain like uh, like Ripple and, and companies like that. What's the status quo? Where, where are we with, um, you know, are, you know, we know we're early in crypto or we know it's still a, a growing or emerging industry, but where are you with financial institutions um, advancing into modern finance and advancing into digital banks and crypto? Uh, do you think they're, they're making some efforts or do you think that fundamentally they're not built for the blockchain and they're all going to, uh, you know, um, be disrupted? Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because just this morning, Commerce Bank uh, in Germany announced that they're exploring getting uh, a crypto exchange license in Germany. Okay. Um, and uh, so 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 we're we're seeing we're seeing a, a very interesting trend. Uh, we're seeing that crypto companies are becoming banks, and banks are becoming crypto companies. That's that's the trend we're seeing. There isn't a single bank out there that is not experimenting with blockchain um, for remittances, for trade finance, for, for trading, for settlement, for whatever it may be, every single bank on the market in, in every single country is experimenting with blockchain. If you take that one step further, governments are now experimenting with central bank digital currencies. Mm. Um, so they're in the very near future, and it's not even the future because China has already announced the digital one, um, uh, it, which is a central bank digital currency. Mm. It uses the technology of digital currencies like blockchain, like uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, the same underlying technology, but instead of it being issued by well, just random people on the internet, it's actually issued by the government of, of China. We're seeing similar efforts happening in the UK and Europe, um, even in countries in this region, you know, there's, I've heard about Jordan and Palestine, even the UAE, uh, there was a project by the central bank of uh, the UAE that was experimenting with uh, central bank digital currencies using uh, IBM Hyperledger um, between the UAE and Saudi in order to, to perform uh, very large uh, transfers. Mm -hmm. um, I, I believe it was called Project Sabah, if, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. um, so, so we're seeing this global trend towards um, not only banks adopting crypto technology, but governments also adopting crypto technology. And, I, uh, and in the very, very, very near future, I believe that, um, that uh, our financial system will, will pivot to this blockchain world because of the benefits it has. Mm. Right now, private companies are issuing these stable coins. So like there's a company in the US called Circle and they issue uh, a stable coin called USDC. And then there's another organization called Tether and they release a stable coin called USDT. A stable coin is a digital currency that is pegged one-to-one -to, -one to the dollar. So one, one USDC is equal to one dollar. Um, now, um, of course, having money control in, in the hands of private individuals uh, may not be, you know, the, the, the rightest path. Um, it would be better if, if we did move to a CDBC world, 
but at the same time um at the same time have have uh financial organizations more uh, governed by the smart contracts which which are which are um better uh and less uh cannot be manipulated so on and so forth um so that's that's a that's a global trend we're seeing right now okay interesting so you know i think you know one of the promises and you touched on it there about you know other institutions having control but one of the promises of crypto is that decentralized and um everything's kind of governed by the blockchain but in terms of the individual being better off in the future uh in terms of you know if we all manage to understand understand uh fintech and crypto as it plays out you know previously uh the you know the banking institutions mightn't serve the customer well but now we have with crypto there's a lot of gas fees as you explained there's a lot of steps there's a lot of percentages that are going is uh is something that finvol can offer is that less costs and less gas fees for individuals um or are you reliant on on the on the blockchain and the tokens being being cheaper and being easier for people to use from a cost point of view yeah absolutely so that's precisely what we do um we use very efficient and cheap uh, methods of transfer um we're, we're using something called polygon uh, network right now um which is which is a very uh, cost effective uh network uh for for building our technology on mm-hmm. um it, it's kind of like an uh, it's built on top of ethereum but it's it's cheaper in terms of its gas fees we're talking about pennies to the dollar for every transaction we do mm-hmm. um and um and and in terms of the steps and the fees and all of that stuff we are um we're reducing the complexity we're reducing the steps where we're the steps still happen but they happen behind the scenes you don't see those steps happening mm. um but our our technology does all of those manual steps behind the scenes and all you see is hey i just went from my bank account to this defi protocol whereas before i had to do 13 steps in between to go from a to b Okay. Um those steps still happen because they have to happen because that's how it works but it, it just happens automatically behind the scenes. Okay, interesting. So without getting too technical and I, I really want to ask about NFTs before we run out of time but before we get there can you just explain sort of Polygon and and the layers uh you know the layer 2 and now layer 0 what what does that actually mean for the individual and how are you applying those different layers and how you're building your product? I think for the average individual is just noise and doesn't mean anything right so Good. the average individual should not get concerned with it uh but generally you know like if you want to dig deeper into it and look into it um what it means is that a lot of a lot of blockchain technology you know bitcoin was kind of like the first blockchain technology that came out there kind of like paved the road but it had limited usefulness it, it couldn't be really be used for anything apart from maybe as a store of value and medium of exchange but you couldn't build any kind of like financial solutions on top of bitcoin really um along a few you know like maybe a year later something called ethereum came about and and what ethereum provided was this functionality to create these 
smart contracts. And and the big thing about that was that they, they claimed that it was what they call Turing complete. What Turing complete means is that using their smart contract language, you can build fundamentally any single program you want. You can build a whole program, like anything you want that works and operates on the blockchain. Um, so um, now Ethereum, because it became so successful because of these smart contracts, um, ended up being used by a lot of people. And by being used by a lot of people, um, the network became very congested over time. And becoming very congested over time, you had to pay more to get your transactions in, in, in the priority in order for your transactions to be executed on time. And eventually at some point in time, it became like, you need to pay, I don't know, like $50 every single time you want to get your transaction through, um, which obviously becomes very, very expensive and even becomes more expensive than using a traditional bank account. If you want to send money from person A to person B. Now, what then happened, um, is that some very, very smart developers in India created um, Polygon. And what Polygon was is, is what they call a scaling solution. Um, and there's, there's Bitcoin, uh, sorry, Ethereum is what they call layer zero. And layer one is, is Polygon, which is the scaling solution. And it, it uses the underlying Ethereum technology, but it's able to confirm transactions much faster and much cheaper. And because it's able to do that, it became immensely popular, immensely successful. Um, and, and it's the technology that we use that, that we've built our technology on top of in order to, um, to benefit from the lower transactions and the faster transactions. Fascinating. I feel more educated on the crypto world after listening to that. Thanks a lot, Christian. I hope the listeners appreciate it too. Um, before we finish, uh, can you tell us how the Arabian Horses NFTs uh, came about and how that was done on Finvold? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're extremely uh, excited about that. The Al Sheikh's uh, stud farm partnership. Um, in this region, people love Arabian horses. It's uh, racing them and, and their, their immense beauty. And um, we, we've partnered with the, the stud farm in order to create a collection of, of these NFTs. What, are, uh, what NFTs are, are, are basically, um, you can take, uh, it's like a digital representation of, of an object, be it an art. So right now you're getting a lot of people uh, buying and selling NFT art. It's like digital art on the blockchain. And, and what makes it unique is that each NFT can only be created once. It's it's a it's a unique uh, element. It's like it's like uh, buying a Picasso that was only only created one you know one Picasso is only created of you know uh, so so it's very similar to that. They they have an element of scarcity to them. So what we're doing is we're taking all the the, the Arabian horses that exist in this in this stud farm, and, and we're putting them on the blockchain through these NFTs. Well, I said to Christian that I learned a lot on that podcast, and I certainly did. Uh, it was amazing to hear things explained. Some I understood, some I still need to do a bit more learning on. But it's fascinating space, fascinating world, and I think we can all, uh, you know, learn from it, embrace it. Um, and it's interesting what Christian and his co-founder are doing with Finvault. 
uh, and you know one of the first places you can check them out is the Arabian Horses NFTs that we covered on Smashy Crypto earlier in the week and Hala and her team uh, covered it on the Smashy TV app. You get uh, regular crypto shows at the moment are crypto shows in Arabic but the Smashy Crypto uh, Instagram account and TikTok page uh, do the daily news in this space in the region so I suggest you check them out if you want to learn a bit more. Uh, and for the podcast, if you are listening on any audio app, we've had a few issues with Apple of late, uh, but we will be bringing them back up on Apple soon. But we're available on Spotify, Angami, Podio, uh, SoundCloud and all the others. I want to thank uh, Alibaba, who's been covering uh, a one man show this week on producing, editing and putting everything together uh, because you hear our other producer is uh, has been off uh, on well for the week but inshallah we'll have him back next week and yeah so next week will be our last episode of the month our last re- episode during Ramadan uh, but we will be uh, broadcasting live next week 11am on Friday and the week after uh, after the aid break uh, so looking forward to chatting then